failed my lot again this morning. I think I was told Brother Jimmy a while ago, 13 years ago this month, I preached my first sermon here. It don't get any easier. I snuck out the back door with Andy Blevins running me back in. <laughs> so um, it's, a, it's an honor. Um, it's going home time. You know, I was thinking when they were singing that song, sounds like home to me. But Wes, he said that to you. He said that about you. Satan told him, why would you want to live in there? They're full of dirt, full of human nature, bitterness. And he said, that sounds like home to me. I want to read a quote here. I don't, I'm calming my nerves, I guess. I read a quote several years ago. I think I sent it to Brother Donnie, I don't know, about eight or nine years ago. And Jennifer found it the other day and read it back to me. And I, I wanted to read it to you if you, if you got a minute. <clears throat> Brother Branham said, in spirit of truth, this was three months before the seals. And then from there on, 600 miles, the way the crow flies, there's not even a path or a trail. And when you hit the West Coast, you go about 800 miles to Vancouver. It's not even a speck of civilization. The next civilization is going this way is Anchorage. And about seven, 800 miles go back this way. You run into the little city, Yellowknife, where you get a ship in there once a year for the Eskimos. Next, you hit Russia. So you're really to yourself. That's where God takes his rest up there from all of our troubles and our trials that we put him through. But Bram said, I like to go up there and talk to him while he's resting. Two things I thought of when I heard that quote how in the world did Brother Brandon know where God went to rest? Second thought was how many times have I sent him there? How many times has my failures, my mistakes, God said I need a break from Joe Hare? Food for thought. We can go home now. So, if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians. We're going to read two scriptures before we're seated. Uh, Philippians 3, 17 through 21. Then we're going to read Genesis 2 and 7. <clears throat> Brother Donnie texted me Monday and asked me to take the service. I started studying. I had already had a, a thought for the future, um, future service for the young people. And then I had a thought spin off of that one. So I've been studying that one this week. A little background on this sermon that I got here. I preached this sermon on the road somewhere back in the summer. I had originally titled it, titled it From Dust to Glory. And then I changed the title from When Dust Met Glory. And then Brother Donnie preached. And I wanted to preach it here. 
I didn't get the opportunity at the time. And then Brother Donnie preached Sister Naomi's Celebration of Life, and he titled his From Dust to Glory. So I thought, you know what, that's confirmation for me. But then I just started another sermon the Lord gave me. I was studying it this week, and then yesterday morning I got woke up real early in the morning and never could go back to sleep, and this sermon just kept pounding and pounding in my heart. So I didn't scrap what I was studying, but I did go to this. So the title of it is When Dust Meant Glory. Philippians 3. Brethren, 17 through 21, I'm sorry. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often. And now I'll tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile bodies. This, this is the subject we're taking, the scripture we're taking from, who shall change our vile bodies, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things to, unto himself. Genesis 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of life. Man became a living soul. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so grateful and so honored for the opportunity, Lord, to come sit under your word, Lord. Lord, to place our feet under, the, under heaven's table, as it were, Lord, to feast on the things that you would have for us. Lord, we're all hungry this morning. We all need to hear from you. We all need of you, Lord. Lord, we, we've come here together. There's no, there's no special remedy for you to come and meet with us this morning, Lord. It's plain and simple. You said we're two or three are gathered in my name. There I'll be in the midst, Father. Lord, if we can take anything in our minds... Anything that would hinder us, Lord, from receiving, Lord, for just the next half hour to an hour, Lord, if we could push it out the back doors. Don't let anything hinder us from receiving what you have for us this morning, Lord. Lord, we feel your wonderful presence here this morning. We're so grateful, Father, that you would even feel like you would come sit among us, Father. We thank you for that. Bless the word, Lord. Help me to get out of the way, Lord. Help them to get out of the way. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. In the verses there, 20, 21 in Philippians 3, it says, Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body? That's a promise. If you're a child of God, you have a promise that this vile body will be fashioned one day as his glorious body. Amen. So I, I look at the words vile. Low estate, humiliation, lowness. <clears throat> leading one to perceive and lament his moral littleness or guilt. Basically, you're nothing. You're little. You're dirty. There's nothing clean about you. The Bible says your righteousness in God's eyes is as filthy rags. So you have a vile body. But the promise says that we will have a body fashioned like under his glorious body. And glorious means majesty. A thing belonging to God, 
the absolute perfect inward or personal excellency of Christ. Talk about a contrast. <clears throat> this is the body that you have. <clears throat> Satan doesn't want you to catch a revelation of that scripture. Satan wants you to, to, to focus on how you are right now. He wants you to focus on your mistakes. He wants you to conceive yourself nothing. He wants you to look at yourself as, as, as the least in the kingdom. As I was telling uh, Brother Jimmy a while ago, you know, as, as the queen of heaven, there's no such thing as the least. If you're the bride, there is no least. There is no least. You're not, you're not the lowest person in the bride. If you are a bride of Christ, a member of the bride of Christ, each individual is God's favorite. So looking at yourself as the least, looking at yourself as dirt, as dust, you are helping Satan with his work. That's his job. And he does it for free. He don't care. He loves it. <clears throat> so... When I was studying this, and you know, when I put it on my heart, I began to see how Satan wants us to get to focus on that. The failures and our faults and stuff. You know, so let's, let's back up to, uh, back to Genesis. And God said, let there be light. When God said, let there be light, you were the thing, reason why he said, let there be light. God's main purpose was to live in you. That's, that was his greatest desire. And that desire pushed him to say, let there be light. <clears throat> but Branham said, and I got a quote here. Oh, future home. I'm sorry. Future home. You were made for an eternal purpose because you was the manifestation of attribute that was in God. That thought of you and expressed you. And he made an earth to take you out of. To make a human being. And sin come along and perverted his way. You come anyhow. But you was lost with the world. So he came and redeemed you. The expressed attribute and also redeems by the, the same way. His purpose rolls on. So he created an earth to take you out of. The thought, Brother Branham, always, we always hear Brother Branham talking about the, the back of, of God's mind, the thoughts that you were, the, when God said, let there be, and then you was in his thoughts. His thoughts were his, then when he spoke it, that was his, his uh, thoughts expressed. You're an expression of God's thoughts. So when he said, let there be, and he and had you in his mind, there had to be some way that he could create you. So Brother Branham says, he made an earth. He didn't make an earth just so he could have an earth. He made an earth to take you out of. He made an earth so he could pull those 16 elements out. You know, in, in, in studying this, I got to read on Melchizedek. You know, you, when you look at Melchizedek, you know, growing up, we, we had the, my mom and dad had the real to real players. You know, we had a little single wide trailer. We played reel to reels. I heard, who is this Melchizedek growing up? I heard it in church on Wednesday nights. I heard it, I don't know, countless many times. 
And I always thought, you know, when, when Brother Branham described how, how Jesus went down, when, when God went down to, to meet with Abraham, how he took those 16 elements up and breathed life into him and he stepped into a body. I thought, what a body that had to be. What a body. No sin. God will never touch sin. He'll never touch sin. That's why he left Jesus in the garden. Brother Branham said, it's why he left him. A holy God will never touch sin. So this is a body. God speaks to the elements. He, he throws the elements up in the air and he breathes life into them and he steps into them and here comes God in this body called Melchizedek. Perfection. This body of Melchizedek was perfect. And it didn't satisfy God. This flesh body called Melchizedek did not fulfill God's desire to live in human flesh. As perfect as it was. God loves, we hear the scripture, God loved, loved uh, I can't even think, John 3, 16, that he gave his life for all. He loved everybody. He could have he spent the rest of his life Eternity, living in this body of Melchizedek and thought, you know, this is, this is great. But his love for dirt, his love for dust. He loved man so much that he wanted all men to be saved. First Timothy says 2 and 2 and 4, who will all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He loved them all. Brother Branham said he, he loved Cain. He loved Cain. He loved the rich young ruler. Why in the world would he go to the rich young ruler knowing, knowing that he was bound for hell and offered him eternal life? The Bible says he loved Cain. This is how much God loves man. Some of the people that we shun that might not have eternal life. Well, they're not bright. I'm not wasting my time on them. God did. Amen. Jesus did. He looked upon a man he knew was going to hell. He looked at this dust body. Glory walks up to a dust body bound for hell. And the Bible says he loved him. Amen. God thought it was significant enough to put it in the Bible. That, that he loved a man bound for hell. If that love ever gets in here. That same love gets in here. It'll change the way we treat other dust. It'll change the way we treat other people, the way we look at other people, the way we talk about people, the way we backbite other people. It'll change all of that. You know, just because you say, well, I've got my faults. Some people accept their faults. Oh, well, I'm human. I'm human. Why would you do that? Why would a son and daughter, somebody claims to have Christ living in here, accept your faults? That's just what, you know, I'm, I'm human. Brother Brandon said, we're going to be human until we get out of here. They also said, keep eating the word to get as much human out of there as you can. <clears throat> but, he, but he loved. He loved us so much. You know, you look at, you look at Jesus on the cross. You look at Jesus on the cross. 
Those people that crucified him, he loved them. He forgave them. You know, with that kind of love, John, John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You know, that's a great love that man could have. That's the greatest love you and I could have. If we could lay down our life for somebody. God's love goes beyond that. God's love gives His Son. There's not a father in here that has love enough for somebody else to say, okay, I'll give up my son for his place. Human love don't, can't comprehend that. Dust can't comprehend that. It takes glory. We, we can't comprehend the way that God loves. You know, you, as, as I was saying earlier, we look at ourselves. Satan gets, and, it, and it's, it, it happens. Satan's going to get you to look at your faults and failures. You're, you're human. You're right. When you say that, you know, I'm human, but, you, but you're right. But take that, I'm human with another attitude. You know, you're, like I was telling Brother Jimmy a while ago, from the, a millisecond before the rapture takes place, you'll probably make a mistake. That's human nature. You're clothed in this flesh. There's nothing you can do about that. But trust God. <clears throat> he saw you in a dirty state. Just rotten dust of the earth. But he loved you enough to predestinate you before the foundation of the world. We, we can't comprehend God's love. You know, like I said, sometimes we focus on our faults. And that's Satan's job. Satan, when you get up in the morning... When you put your feet on the ground, you put your shoes on, you start your day. Satan starts his. On you. His job is to, now he, he's not going out here to, to the people that are bound for hell, don't know the message and all that. He don't care. He don't care about them. You are his job. If you're a child of God, you have the Holy Ghost, you are Satan's job. So his job is to get you to look at yourself. He's going to get you to look at yourself in two, two ways. He's going to make you look at your faults. He's going to get you to say, I'm the least. People that feel like they're the least, sometimes it, it's, it's just a burden on them. I feel like I can't do good enough. I feel like I can't, I, I can't do nothing. I can't help anybody. I, I, I've got so much fault in my life. I've got so many scars in my life. I've got things happening in my life. That, and that's all you focus on. You're not focusing on, on prayer. You're not focusing on getting in the Word. Anytime you get those feelings inside, if Satan gets those feelings inside of you, he gets you thinking about how bad you are, all the faults that you have, all the scars in your life that puts bitterness in there. Go pray. Go read your Bible. Go put it on the tape. Go read the Word. Anything to turn his switch off. Because those are the things he don't want you to do. He wants you to feel like you're going to remain dust. You already had a union with glory. When you received the Holy Ghost, dust and glory met. There was a union. He wants you to forget about that. Because even though you have the Holy Ghost, even though you have the Holy Ghost, that don't mean you're not going to have those thoughts. That doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. You're not going to make failures. But that's his job. If we can, we can get that in our, in our minds and focus, hey, this is just Satan's job. I don't have to worry about it. He's doing his job. 
Don't help him do his job. The second way, if he can't get you with your faults and failures, he'll make you think how awesome you are. We laugh, but that's the truth. He'll make you think you're the best Christian in the church. He'll make you think that you know the word from front to back and nobody can tell you any different. If you're a preacher, he'll make you think that people got healed because you prayed for them. You're not somebody because God gave you a gift. God gives gifts to all. Because you, you, you're the best known preacher. You're the best singer. You're the best songwriter. Best musician. Satan will make you focus on that. You want to see what people think of the most of the time? Go look at the social media. Look at the one that's all about them. That's the truth. But see, that's Satan doing his job. If he can do anything, if he can keep you focused on COVID, if he can keep you focused on, on politics and the things of the world, keep your mind focused on that instead of focusing on who you, who you really are in Christ. He's doing his job. You know, we, we'll, we'll, say, we'll say that, you know, we're at the end time. That becomes a cliche now to, in, the, in the message. We're at the end time. We're almost through. But our mind is not there. Our hearts are not there. Instead of focusing on this, we're focusing on everything else in our life. Dust gathers more dust. And it begins to cover up glory after a while. They're not saying there's no union between the dust and the glory. Not saying that at all. The glory's still there. It's, it, it's waiting to manifest itself. But you have to feed it. You have to discard anything that Satan puts in your mind. Amen. You know, God wants you to, that, that glory to be manifested in your life, on your jobs. Young people, when you go to school, when you go to college, when you go to work, wherever you go, let that glory be on display. Let it be in your conversation. Let it be in the way you dress. Let it be in the way you walk. You don't have to be dust to everybody. You can be glory. I jumped a little ahead on, on there. We'll get more into that in a minute. But just because we make mistakes and failures, God don't discard us. What do you do, usually do with dust? You usually wipe it up and throw it away. What if God did that to us? For our mistakes and our failures. Look, look at, at, at the people that made mistakes and failures through the Bible. What if God had wrote them off then? David committed adultery, murdered a man. Moses murdered a man. He got the pride part. Hey, I'm the deliverer. I'm the deliverer. I'm going to do it my way. How did that work out for him? His dust got swept into the backside of the desert for 40 years. He had to come to Jesus meeting with glory for about 40 years. Peter, he cursed. Denied Christ. I don't know him. I'm not part of him. You know, if we look at that, that didn't bother God's plan for them one bit. It didn't change God's plan. 
God didn't think, I've messed up somewhere. I thought Peter was going to be the rock. Instead, he's just a piece of dust. It didn't mess up God's plan. God didn't change it. When, when, when David, David was going to bring the lineage of Christ. What if God said, nope, I'm going to find somebody else now. An adulterer, a murderer. What if God said, well, he's manifesting his true dirt. I can't use that. And in our lives sometimes, we make our mistakes, our failures, and then we get to the point, Satan gets us thinking, God can't use me. I've made too many mistakes. There's no way back for me. I've done so much. If God turns you away because of your mistakes and your failures, He'd have to go back and repent for every one of these. But he let through. On a sermon I was studying for um, the future, I don't want to give too much on it. But look at Rahab. Talking about a pile of dirt. Her own profession showed what she was. God says, that's where I want my glory to come right through her. She was in a city that God said, I hate it. I'm going to destroy it all. It's in my way. The seed of life was in there. In all her filthiness, all her dirt, everything that she was, God said, I'm going to take my glory right through that prostitute. So when you think you're too little, when you think your mistakes, you think your pile of dirt, and God's given you the Holy Ghost. She didn't even have that. Yeah. Glory wasn't manifested to her. And you get to the point in your life when Satan has talked you in to quit moving. Yes. He's talked you into fulfilling your place as a piece of dirt. Remember Rahab. Remember David. Moses, Peter, Samson, Adam, Eve. God never gave them the Holy Ghost. They had to kill animals every year. Every year. And that only lasted for, for a year. Your sins are wiped away eternally. Eternally. And you keep bringing them up. You keep bringing them up. God says, you look at yourself as dirt. I look at you as my glory. And here you're bringing up the faults of the dirt. You're bringing up the faults and the failures of the dust. And you keep looking at them. It's a sobering thought sometimes to the way we think. Brother Branham said the greatest battle ever fought is in the human mind. Now when this sermon's over, I know we're not going to walk out the door and have it licked. I'm going to fight him when I go out the back door. 
But it's His grace. It's His grace. <laughs> but Bram said, God's only provided a place of worship. He had in his heart before the foundation of the world a son because he is a father. But it was still in the genes of his word. He created a man and had to put him on free moral agency because that man fell. But the great sculpture, God, who made man from the dust of the earth, he didn't settle for that. He started making man again. I'm so glad he did. He made a Noah. He died drunk. He made a Moses that failed to keep his word. He made prophets that run in a time of trouble. He kept building and molding until after a while, he wanted a masterpiece to reflect him. What was in his heart, what a son should be. You know, when we look at the, you go re, listen to the masterpiece. You know, we keep thinking in our mind that Christ was that masterpiece, and he was. But that masterpiece had become in you. The life of Christ lived in you is the masterpiece. It's not your life. If the Holy Ghost is living through you, it's not you. It's Christ living in you. It's the masterpiece living through you. But you thought God would never want you. And some still think that. But Bram said, why we are not a denomination. Then before there was one speck of life on this earth, our bodies were laying here. Before one drop of moisture ever come to the earth, we were laying here. That's where God pulled you out of. That's when he said God created an earth to take you out of. You were already there. When Adam walked up and down the Garden of Eden, I was laying here. Amen, yes sir. O oh, glory, when the cherubims, the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy. I was laying here just waiting for the breath of life to come. I was here. He made me here. Had my body laying here. Yes, sir, if it wasn't, where'd it come from? How did it get here? God had it laying here. God made it. We're made out of 16 elements, petroleum, potash, and a cosmic light. What was God wanting to make? What was he wanting to make? A dwelling place. A place where he could dwell. You know, when he created Adam in the garden, he didn't live inside Adam. Adam was formed in the spirit of God. The image of God was the spirit. God created the dust of the earth. Breathed life. Took a rib, created Adam, uh, created Eve. God would come down and meet with him in the garden. But Adam was not the full manifestation of God in human flesh. Right? So, God wanted to dwell inside man, though. A dwelling place. What is a dwelling place? It's a house. A house to dwell in. You know, I was thinking, when I was studying this, I got to thinking, you know, married couples, you know, they get married and they want to buy a house. They want to build a house, and they get this, this book out of, of house plans, and they start looking, looking at these plans. Oh, I like this one. I, I, I love this one. They want to build their dream house. You're God's dream house. 
before the foundation of the world. He opens his book and he starts going down through here. Oh, I, I like this one. I like the, this one's called West Willis. This is the one I want to live in right here. This one's called Joel Brown. I can't wait. Gabriel, come look at this house. Michael, God, get, God got excited. Not, not when you received the Holy Ghost. God got excited with a thought of you in his mind before the foundation of the world. God got excited that he knew that he could take dust of the earth and build himself a dwelling place and live in it. So when you took your first breath of life as dust, when you came forth, the dirt that you are came forth from the ground, which is your mother, God put down a deposit. He put a deposit down. When you go buy a house, you put a deposit down. God said, this one's mine. When he breathed his life into you, he put a deposit on you. From that moment on, you belong to him. Whether you knew it or not, you might have went 40 years as a piece of dust with no glory in you. But God said, that is mine. So when deposit was put, construction began. Construction began in your life. They had building parties on Sunday, on Wednesday, on Saturday night. Nails were being driven. God likes a variety. He likes all different colors siding. He likes white siding. He likes black siding. He likes brown siding. He likes black shingles, gray shingles. Brother Aaron, he likes tin roofs. Sorry, buddy. He's a God of variety. So when you, we get to the point where we start degrading ourselves, remember, you're talking about God's house. You're talking about God's dwelling place. Now just remember whenever he was going through that book, looking for a dream house. When he came across you, if your name's on the Lamb's Book of Life, when he came across your name, he didn't skip and think, well, I'll come back to that. You were his first choice. You were his first choice. He didn't have to go shopping around. There was something about you. When he looked at you, he looked at himself. said, that's where I want to live. That's where I want to be. You know, we, we look at that, you know, so many times, you know, a house takes on the characteristics of its owners. House takes on the characteristic of its inhabitants. You've got people that don't, don't like to bathe, don't care how they look, how they dress. You're going to see it in their house. If they're trashy, their house is trashy. If God lives in you, you take, you'll take on the characteristics of God. Because God is your inhabitant. You know, there's so many things that come with the inhabitant of God in your life. Everything He has is yours. Everything God has is yours. Peace. Joy. Right? Love. Healing is yours. You know, sometimes I wonder, why, why do we not get these things? 
If this inhabitant is living in you, why, why are we not getting the things that come with that? Why are we not getting the peace? Why do we not have the joy? Why do we not have the healing? You know, we ask for things in our life so many times and we wonder why it don't happen. We wonder why the things in our life don't happen. Why, why aren't we getting healed? Why, why aren't I getting the, the, the financial need that I have? Why, why I've been praying for my son, he's lost. I've been, been praying for this matter, for this matter. Why is it not happening? You know, I, I, I read a quote. <clears throat> Be not afraid. In 61. Abraham said, your faith don't go very far. Your faith. He said, but it's God's faith. You know, in another place, he said, your faith only goes so far, then God's faith takes over. Is God's faith taking over? And when he said what God's faith does, I read this to Brother Jimmy a while ago. What does God's faith, when I was reading this, I expected to hear, you can have anything you want. Anything you ask for. But that ain't what Brother Branham said. When you have God's faith, it makes you love everybody. So maybe you're not getting what you asked for. Because you don't love everybody. God wants his faith to drop in there, but he has no room for it. You haven't made him room. We don't love everybody. Where, where has forgiveness gone? If, if this vile body, if this vile body is, is, is going to be changed into his glorious body, if we're on a journey to that, there has to be glory living in here. There has to be an inhabitant of glory in here. And those attributes will show forth. We can't forgive people. Somebody wrongs us some way, we hold an ought against them. You say, Brother Joe, you, you don't understand what they've done to me. I've, I'll grant it, you're right. But I'll tell you what, I will say you're justified. If you can top this, Jesus is hanging on a cross, forgiving people that went to hell and loved every one of them. If somebody has done that to you, then you're justified. But if that has never happened to you, you're not, you've got no reason whatsoever to not forgive somebody. Amen. None. Well, they've talked about me. They've run my name down. They, they've robbed from me. They've done this. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And then you, you want to run them down. You, you, want to, you have an odd against them and you want all your friends to have an odd against them. What happened to the, to the situation where it, it's just a man between a man and, and two people have an odd against each other? It's between them two. But we want people on our sides. I don't know why this is going this way, but it's going this way. We want people on our side. We want people to see it our way and, and, and tell everybody else. It's all about forgiveness. I'll guarantee you start forgiving people, God will bless you more. Amen. Brother Branham said in 54, the word became flesh. Be kind to your enemies. Love everybody no matter what they've done. Love them anyhow. That's as simple as it gets. You say, Brother Joe, you, 
There's things in my life. I've got scars, the way people treated me and all that. I get it. I, I can't put myself in your shoes. I'm not going to try. I, I can just tell you what it says. There's a lot of people. You know, that Jesus got his scars. Jesus has got scars. You know, this flesh, there's people, you know, that have been through things in their life. I, I, can't, I can't say I understand. I've learned that from the police department. And Tony could tell you, when you go to a, a place where people have died or committed suicide or things happening, you don't tell them, I understand. You tell them, you know, I feel for you. Because you don't. Because there's going to come a point where someone's going to say, oh, really? You understand? Tell me about your problem. But I can't understand, and I, I know people have been hurt. People have so many things in their life. But just remember, just remember this. There's not a thing in your life. There's not a thing that this dirt, flesh, body that you live in, that he didn't take. God dumped it on him in the garden. God had already left him. So Jesus was there as a pile of dirt. The glory left him. Just human flesh, 16 elements. That's all Jesus was in the garden when God left him. Every scar that you have, every issue, fault, failure, mistake. If you, in one person in here, we can just take and look at our own sins. Look at everything I've done. And I think, Lord, if you put everything I've done in a lifetime on Jesus, the entire, entire world, from Adam to the last person, it was dumped on him. Do you think he wanted them? He said, not my will. I said, Father, please let this cut pass from me. He didn't want it. But if he didn't take it, there's no way that your vile body was ever going to receive a glorious body. If he didn't take it. So everything was dumped on him. We made him filthy. We made him dirty. He was kicked, he was beat, he was slapped, he was punched, he was humiliated, he was hung up, stark naked. Brother Branham said he was stripped. And we want to gripe and complain about our little shortcomings, our problems, our troubles. I'll try to hurry. Sixty-four, the future home. But Abraham said, "What did Jesus do? God came down and expressed Himself in the form of a man, a human being, he gave His life instead of staying here, which He was the King. But He gave Himself to redeem the rest. You get it, and when it's all over, it's pulled right back. And God's purpose is fulfilled. There is the eternal King again, with His eternal subjects expressed in human flesh, exactly." the way he had it. Sin is took away. The devil is gone. It's all done now. God made a way through ultimate sacrifice to join dust and glory. Without that sacrifice, there, I mean, the human race would have been gone. We'd still, if, if, if time had to go on, we'd still be killing sheep. 
We'd still be killing lambs. But God made a way through ultimate sacrifice. There's several times in the Bible that, that Jesus' glory and dust come together. Face to face. <clears throat> we read of dust crawled up behind glory and touched the hem of His garments. Glory made the dust whole. We don't ever hear of her name again. We don't know who she is. Glory called dust out of the grave for four days. Glory cast 2,000 demons out of dust and set him free. Dust lay by the pool of Shalom for 38 years. Till glory came by one day. Amen. There was union of dust and glory. When, you, when we talk of that, this did not give them eternal life. Casting 2,000 demons out of legion did not give him eternal life. Raising Lazarus from the dead didn't give him eternal life. He had to have another resurrection. <clears throat> thy house in 61 this Holy Spirit that's in me now will see to it and I have a young immortal body and never go with the Holy Spirit that's in you will see that these gray hairs fade away and whatever it is in you in the old age if you're so old whiskers down and walking like that it don't make no difference no one bit of difference that same Holy Spirit will snap it right back at that day just a young man and woman That's the Bible, that's right. The spirit that's in us now, right now. Not one that will come. The one that's in us now. It's God in you and He will raise. You can raise yourself up. Why can't you do it now? Because there's Scripture holding you. And you got to wait till the rapture. When I was younger, we've all believed some weird things. I used to think that when you died... And this body was put in the grave. Your soul went to God. Okay, devil, you can have the dirt back. That's, we all that's, believe outlandish things. That, that's mine. But you know, as I got older, you know, when Brother Donnie, I'd ask Brother Donnie one time, because I, I said, where did, where did Brother Branham say that, you know, we would raise ourselves up? And he sent me a couple quotes. You know, I got to thinking that makes so much sense. It makes all the sense in the world. Why would God let Satan have this dust back when this dust carried God around for so long? Glory inhabited this. Satan won't get one atom of it. He don't get one cell. You know, we think of Brother Jim Bab, Sister Naomi, the Jerry Glenn, with the Gene, different ones that's passed on. You know, they're, they're, in, the, they're in the dirt. Uh -huh. Satan can't have one atom, one cell of them. Amen. Brother Branham said, if you die here, and you, you take on your theophany, your theophany comes back and calls your body out. Amen. You call it out. You say, come, come with me. 
How in the world do you think you're going to get a glorious body? This body. The scripture says this body, this vile body, will be changed into a glorious body. It didn't say your theophany would be changed into a glorious body. It said this body. So I always wondered, you know, where do, why would we give, throw this in the dirt, in the grave, and, and Satan gets to keep that. He don't get one cell of it. God says you'll not touch it. You'll not have any of it. But you'll get to come back and call your body from the grave. <clears throat> to me, that's a kick in Satan's face. You're not getting any of it. You've tried to get it for years. You've battled this body for years. And then when, you, when, when death takes hold and puts you in the ground, he thinks he's won. He still can't get you. It doesn't matter that even that the, you're, the Holy Ghost is gone and you took up your theophany. It doesn't matter that it's just a shell of dust laying there. He can't touch it. That's a promise. And the ever-present water from the rock. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to ask you something. Then if we were born again of the Spirit of God, God don't have little weak parts and big strong parts. That's like I said a while ago, there's no, there's no least. There's no little me's, big use, big me's, little use, whatever you call it. God don't have no big weak parts and strong parts. He is altogether God. If you had enough of God in you till it was just barely a shadow, that's enough power to make an earth. That's enough power to make a new moon and a new system. It's God and it's strong. And right now, every believer in here has life eternal, which is God's Spirit in you. That's God dwelling in you. That's the inhabitant. <clears throat> enough power that will raise up the dead and that will heal the sick, that will set orbits and conditions. But you... It's controlled by law and that spirit that's in you. You are sons and daughters of God. That same spirit that you've got in you will raise yourself up at the day of resurrection. And who is this Melchizedek? If you have died and entered into that theophany, the theophany comes to the earth to pick up the redeemed body. If you are here in the air, you take the body to meet the theophany. He don't get any of it. Amen. Satan can do his best. Put me in the grave. If it's my time to go, I'll go willingly. And you know, when you, when you look at the times nowadays, it, it's almost like you're, hurry up, Lord. Get me in. If I have to go by the way of the grave, you know, we want it to end. Everything's corrupt. You got diseases. Before one disease is over, they got another one coming. They got vaccinations, you've you got to be vaccinated, you don't got to be vaccinated, whatever, I don't care. If you want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you don't, don't. That's, that's it. But Look at the politics. This economy and the politics in this country is, is more corrupt now than it's ever been. But yet, God wanted Biden. Like it or leave it. God didn't make a mistake. I didn't vote for him. God did. I don't know what to tell you. I, I don't know what to tell you. He, he, does, he does make me want to get out of here quicker, though. <laughs> but I, you know, when you look at that, you look at the times that we're living in. You know, you, you hear, you know, the big volcano down there in Tongo, wherever it was at. 
And they're talking about now that how that volcano could trigger earthquakes on up the west coast. You know, we're, we're, we're there. Um, Brother Donnie sent me a thing the other day where Russia's now threatening to move missile sites right on the U.S. border up there near Alaska. If something is not done with Biden. So, we're here. My prayer for myself, my family, is to let that inhabitant, that glory, rule this dust. Let it rule it. You know, you're going to go to work, you're going to go to school, you're going to college, you're going to go do your sports, you're going to do whatever you do on your daily basis. You're going to be a housewife, you're going to be whatever you're going to be. But whatever you're being in that, let that glory live. Let it live. I mean, let that be your sole purpose when you wake up in the morning. Let somebody see the glory in this dust. Because this is dust. You're not all glory, despite what some people think. You're not God. You're not God. But God says, I'll live through you. There's humility that comes with that, in case you didn't know. One day down on Jordan, after that masterpiece had formed and made here, he come down on the wings of a dove. This is him. He was so enthused with his masterpiece until he struck him on Calvary that he would die. For the rest of us, was imperfect. That's why he died, we, because we were imperfect. Does that mean we're perfect now? Crickets. How many believe you're perfect? I hope you figure it out before you leave. If Christ lives in you, you're perfect. That's all God sees. It's Christ's perfection in you. So you're perfect dust. So some of you house cleaners, there is perfect dust. He was so enthused with his masterpiece until he struck him on Calvary that he would die for the rest of us was imperfect. That through the shedding of his blood he might bring many masterpieces. Being a bride to his son, masterpiece is scarred because the enthusiasm of God to see such a masterpiece. He struck him for us all. There he died to perfect we who are imperfect. If you think you're imperfect, he died in vain. But Abraham said he died to perfect we who are imperfect. I'm going to take you one step further. Souls that are in prison, 63. A man must be born again. This nature has to die. This dust nature has to die. We've got to quit looking at our faults, our failures, our mistakes, looking at everything that we do and focusing on that. That nature has to die. And the nature of God comes and lives in you. If the God, nature of God is living in you, you're not focusing on all your mistakes and failures. Because God don't see those. Why do we focus so hard on something that God, don't, God says never happened? Why, why, that's just the dust nature. I understand that. But when we make mistakes and we fail, and we, we just everything in our, in our being just zoom goes, focuses on that, nothing else. 
God don't see it. God is the only thing that never did begin or never can end. So therefore, He has partnershiped. That is a word now. Has partnershiped, you see, and taken this man, this dust, earthly, and this eternal spirit, which is the glory, and put it together. Because God reflected Himself back in that. God reflected Himself back in the dust. And that he became a man when he became Jesus, uh, Christ Jesus. And he was God. God was in Christ that, see, lived in him, reconciling the world to himself. And through that perfect man, each one of us imperfect that believe in God has accepted that. We become the perfection of him. You're God's perfection. God says, I need perfection. You're it. Dust, dirt. Came into the world speaking lies. And if we look at the way the scripture describes ourselves, we came into the world speaking lies, full of iniquity. God says, you're my perfection. Let's stand together. times we don't we don't understand the things we go through I, I can't I don't understand it I do understand human nature I do understand dust because I live in a dust body a lot of times I don't understand the glory part as much God why am I going through this why am I going through that sometimes it's God doing remodeling on this dream house that's what it is He's doing remodel. He's updating. You got some shingles come loose. Got some windows need replaced. It's a constant work. You know, like I say, I don't understand it all. I do know that if I trust Him, if I trust Him in my daily walk, sometimes this 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 dust tries to focus on the things around me instead of the focus of what's in, in me. But one of these days, you know, we can't, you say, I don't understand why so-and-so had to leave to whatever. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand it either. But I'm trusting Him. Yeah. This dust will one day have a glorious body. But see, the deal is, God's not waiting till you get on the other side. To, he, he's working on that glorious body right now. He has moved in. If you have the Holy Ghost, dust and dirt and glory have made a union. You know what? I've never, I've seen Brother Louie and everybody else put Brother Joel Brown on the spot a lot. I'm going to do it today. Sorry, Brother Joel. I want him to sing a song he hasn't sang in a long time. You sing farther along for us. I got to thinking of that song back there. I don't, I don't understand why I go through things I go through sometimes. God has an answer for me. I might get that answer on the other side. I might not get it here. We ask God, why, God, why all the time? Why this happened? Why I got to do this? Sometimes he says, you'll understand it later.
And then when the whole picture is fully revealed, you'll understand. So I'm going to go on day by day in this dust. And I hope to God, by grace, when I step out them back doors right there, I can trust in the glory to get me through my day. Lord, make me a better person. Help me quit focusing on others' faults and failures. Help me to forgive more. Help me to, when, I, when somebody else wrongs me, instead of backbiting, going telling somebody else about it, I would get on my knees and say, Lord, please forgive them. And if it's me, may they forgive me. Where about Joel? Let's do it this way first. Father alone we know all about it. Father understand why so cheer up my brother live in the sunshine we're gonna understand it
appreciate that message. We needed that this morning, didn't we? Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to have service here, Lord willing, again Wednesday night. You just come expecting something from the Lord. He never disappoints. He never disappoints. Let's sing this just before we get ready to go this morning. Be friendly, shake hands, give somebody a smile, tell them you love them in the Lord, you appreciate them, you're praying for them. Might mean something to somebody. Might not mean much to you, but it would mean something to somebody to let them know you're caring about them. Amen. I saw where my brother here, I can't even think of his name now, Sister Joy's husband, what's your name? Stewart, Brother Stewart. Just blessed my heart the other day that uh, he'd been sick, very sick. And just blessed my heart that the Lord has touched our brother and made him able to work again. That just, that just Brother Stewart just reached out and touched my heart, buddy. I, I'm, I'm thankful for that, for you. God bless you. Praise the Lord. All of you are going through something, but we're going to make it together. Amen? Amen? Let's sing this as we leave today. God bless you. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord. He looked beyond my fault, and he saw my need. Are you glad that that happened to you? Amen. Let's sing it, if you will. I. that's probably a little bit high, brother. Sing it for me. Ever lift mine eyes to Calvary.
stop.